Welcome to Making Metric Easy, presented by Outlaw Technology. I'm Hans Dietrich. And I'm Bree Oaxaca, and each week we speak with the companies in the trenches of the seed to sale process. Today on our show, we are very excited to have Sonia Kaczynski, a cannabis business consultant in Michigan who works with several large and mid-sized cultivators and labs, who's worked with us in the past as she's consulted with a lot of these cannabis cultivators and has been a great partner of Outlaw. She has also been in the cannabis industry for some time and came to it in a different path than most people have. So, Sonia, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. We also have Dave Eagleson, our CEO and founder of Outlaw, and a regular guest here who's going to be throwing in some questions to the mix as well. Uh, but first, Sonia, I just talked about how you came to the cannabis industry in a taking a different path than most people do. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I know a little bit about your history, but our listeners obviously do not. So I found it extremely interesting, and I'm sure they will too. Of course. So as you can tell by my accent, uh, I'm not from here originally. I'm coming from Siberia, from the city of Irkutsk. And never have I ever growing up, not even dreamt that I'm going to end up in cannabis industry. I didn't dream about cannabis altogether. It was not a part of my agenda. It was not the part of the agenda of people I was surrounded with. Then I moved to the United States and continued my previous career, which was journalism, in particular political journalism in Russia as well. I moved here some 10 years ago. I really didn't want to stay. I wanted to go to school, which I did. But then, you know, circumstances changed, my personal circumstances and the circumstances of my country, of where I'm from. And I needed to find a better way to make money, to be completely honest with you, than just try it. That's how I entered cannabis industry, absolutely on the whim. No one, no one told me anything about it. I just came to a person who would give me the job as a trimmer and I started to trim. And soon I realized that I actually do like a lot about cannabis industry. I do like the questions that we as professional raise about social equity, questions that we raise about how to make our planet better, how to make our lives better and so on. And I do love plants. Plants was definitely were definitely a part of my upbringing too, because my grandparents had a farm where each summer I would be, you know, helping them with all sorts of things. So it wasn't completely unfamiliar to me. And I discovered that I really have a green thumb. So I started to work as a cultivation manager in a caregiving facility here in Michigan. The rest is history. When uh, Michigan passed the law for recreational use of cannabis in 2016, we were already, me and my team members, we were ready to take the next step. And we started working on a vertically integrated cannabis business that is still operating. And I spent multiple years with this with this company where I made sure that the communication between the corporate and the cultivation was clear because it's not clear all the time. People are coming from different backgrounds usually when it comes to who is the CEO and who is the guy in the greenhouse or in the room. So my job was to just eliminate all the hiccups that can come from miscommunication and not delivering what needs to happen in the on the boss sites and 
maybe I think two years ago, I decided that's the next step for my career. I exited the company and I started my own business consulting agency that is called uh, Green Dawn Solutions. And yeah, as Hans mentioned, I work with cultivators. I work with labs. And to be honest with you, I am open to work with anyone who needs help in organizing their business. So you came to cannabis. Also, you, you didn't realize it at the time, but when you got into cannabis, you you kind of stayed for political reasons as well, because you believe in the cultural benefits and the societal benefits and some of the things that cannabis actually brings to our culture. How does that differ to the way cannabis is viewed in Russia or, say, just in Siberia in Russia? It differs very much. But you can definitely find some of the similarities. And the biggest one would be that people don't often understand what cannabis is, what it does. And the general idea is the cannabis is a horrible, horrible drug that is going to get you killed, that is going to get you impoverished. And basically, most of the Russians would assume that cannabis equals drugs like meth and heroin and um so on and so forth. So the, it's definitely extremely stigmatized. There is no law prohibiting, not prohibiting, but protecting any cannabis users' rights. It's straight to jail. You are anyhow connected to cannabis, and it's been like that for a very long time in Russia. So very different. Uh, what I found interesting when I came to the United States and why I got interested in cannabis in particular is when I started to learn about the war on drugs and what is done to the society in America and how it didn't help segregation, how it didn't have help police brutality and how it didn't help many, many minority groups. And that's where, you know, I got hooked because I was new to the country. I was learning a lot. And that is something that really stuck with me. Very interesting. Sonia, when you started working with your team on the vertically integrated cannabis company, you were going straight to metric. How did you find that? Was it uh, a little bit difficult just writing all the tag numbers down? I assume you were doing everything manually at the time. Is that correct? That is correct. We have been doing everything manually. And now if you think about it, and it's been some years ago, right? Six, six, seven years ago. Yeah, it was a notebook. And in this notebook, a person with a pen or a pencil would be writing down last four digits of every plant and weigh that. So you can imagine that when you harvest 2000 plants, that is a conundrum. It takes forever. It was very, it wasn't very comfortable, but also it didn't feel very professional too, right? Like we're doing a serious thing here. We invested in this company. We're trying to build something and then we are sitting and doing our work on a notepad pretty much. So very, very quickly, we realized that we do need a solution to that because it, ju it just wasn't sustainable. And how did you find us? I, I think it was about four years ago you first reached out to us. It might be three, but I think it was about four. How did you come across Outlaw? I believe just found you guys online. I got interested because we did have to research what our alternatives would be if there is a good software out there that can can solve for our 
time-consuming problem. And someone just came up without law. And I remember that we set up a call and uh, I jumped on this call when I was in the, at the cultivation, by the way, which is like some four hours north from Detroit, very rural area. Uh, and we were in this like tiny, tiny room where everyone joined and then Hans jumped on and asked me if I was Russian because of my last name. And we had a chat in Russian. <laughs> so that's how we found you. And uh, that's how we started uh, using your technology, you guys. That's fantastic. Sonia, what tools of ours did you guys start off with? Harvest a G. Awesome. That, was, that was the one for us to go first. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, how much time did you find it, it saved you, you know, going from handwriting for characters in a notebook to using that system? Was it really dramatic or? It was extremely dramatic. It, it was probably the most dramatic change in the matter of labor hours that I experienced in my cannabis career altogether, because from doing a harvest in two days, we cut it down to four to six hours. And I remember when uh, we used uh, Harvest G for the first time, our guys called us being completely be bewildered. And we're like, we are done. We can do other things now. So yeah, it was a very dramatic, dramatic change. And I worked with other cultivation companies as a consultant uh, who also were struggling with this time-consuming job. And I provided them with... Uh, I provided them with the opportunity to get hooked with Harvest G and the story repeated itself again. They would not believe how little time they can use to, to get everything done. Hey, Sonia, this is Dave. I was curious. You guys also have a handheld, one of our Desperados, correct? So I'm yeah. curious, two questions. One is, how did that save time? But more importantly, how did the RFID tags help you? Because one of the things that we're honestly doing on this podcast is we're trying to educate folks on the, the technology itself, the fact that they're procuring these tags for metric, right? That these tags have an RFID inlay. All the customers we have are pretty much saying, hey, I couldn't do it without the tags. I'm curious your experience doing things like audits and such. I would say that would be for us, for the company that I worked with first, that was a little bit secondary because the guys were already very, very organized, which I loved about them. But when we introduced Desperado, again, the inventory count situation uh, stopped consuming as much time because you could just align all of your packages and run wild with a handheld gun and be done very quickly and compare it in my personal experience because at this the first time I used Desperado I actually used it on the plant inventory and plant counts and that was something that I loved it felt a little bit like magic you just walk into a greenhouse <laughs> all the mothers you just you know you just start waving this thing all over the place then you can just get back to your desk and make sure that everything that you have in metric is actually physically present. And if it's not, you just start your investigation instead of, you know, crouching under each plant and writing down the tag. So also a lifesaver, very good product. Sonia, as Dave mentioned, our job here is to tell people how to make metric easy and also how they can leverage those tags. And we're thankful that you've also introduced Outlaw to some of your 
other clients that you now work with, what's their reaction been when they found out that they can actually leverage those metric tags and make their life easier? The same that you experienced when you first tried out our systems? 100%. Yeah, I do have a very nice person I work with at one of the cultivations. His name is Brian and Brian did call me and he was like, the plant inventory became so much easier for him and the inventory in the vault of the available products kind of went through the same transformation. The problem that they uh, had in the beginning is that they did not understand that their RFID tags need to be facing the gun, not facing the gun, but be available and not behind another box. So the only thing that they had to do is to reorganize their vault a little bit and not drastically just like put the boxes in a way where again, a person who's an inventory manager can come in, get the range to four feet because it's not a very big vault and be done in five minutes. So overall, it's just time saving and the inventory count in general is a very, very dull job to do it needs to be done but not many people like it and it takes forever so when you can get it out of the way and concentrate on the other things on hand that you need to do of course it's a big relief and everyone immediately understands that the money that they invested in the uh in the handheld guns and in the uh, software itself are paid off on the first week of use so never been a question. And sometimes I do have the owners of the companies who are not sure, which I completely understand, right? If you want to spend money on something, you want to understand why you're spending money on something. And if you're not directly related to inventory and to cultivation, you may not understand why you have to save time. It's a pretty straightforward task. But when their employees are coming to them and saying just like, that was great. This experience, we want to continue it. We want to use this gun moving forward. So the question just not existing anymore. And everyone who I've worked with did love Outlaw technology. Sonia, that's so great to hear because that's, you know, how we feel is people have this technology in their facilities. We have the tools to help them leverage it. And, you know, specifically like in markets and, you know, they're in Michigan, the prices are getting more and more competitive. You have to save your costs where you can and making sure that you've got tools that are going to help increase those efficiencies and give you that ROI. I mean, that's going to be essential to staying uh, competitive in these markets. I also want to redirect back to your experience with consulting there in Michigan. What challenges have you seen You know, your customers facing as they try to, let's say, migrate from the caregiving to you know, license, you know, adult use and medical cultivation? I would say that we are, first of all, I would say that we are over the hump on that. Most of the people did readjust, but in the very beginning, in the first, I would say, four years of us being in a recreational state, the biggest problem that, in my opinion, we experienced as cultivators in particular is that we were building this industry, not from the ground up, but from on the ground up. Sorry, it maybe sounds a little bit silly, but that's what it is. And many people had to readjust. What we've done as caregivers and many people I work with right now and work back as caregivers, they did a phenomenal job. They worked hard. They understood their plant. But if you have 72 plants 
on one day and in a year you're going to have 2000 plans many many things that you've done when you basically knew each plant right you interacted with each plant you cannot do that anymore you need to compromise you need to find the solutions to make your uh, production flow better you need to understand your supply chains because you cannot run to a hydroponic store and pick up an extra bag of soil and that was very challenging for many people and i think that even some people exited the industry for other endeavors because they could not or did not want to keep up with that. Yeah, it seems like the market right now is is going through a lot of changes. And we're seeing even on our end from an outlaw perspective that a lot of these large MSOs and even just smaller facilities are trying to cut their labor costs because in order to be competitive, you've got to be efficient. You mentioned people going out of business. We're kind of seeing that a bit but I think those that have got their the automation, those that have got like true SOPs and, and are working correctly, we've seen them thriving. So I assume that's what you're seeing as well. Thing that might be challenging for many people too, but I wouldn't necessarily tie it to a cannabis industry. I would tie it to any new industry. You need to learn how to be lean. You need to learn how to apply lean, lean principles because in the competitive market, you don't have any other choice because if your next door neighbor can sell gummies $2 wholesale and you cannot afford it, you're not going to stay in business. You're absolutely right about that, David. Along that line and going back to what you mentioned when you first joined this podcast here, you mentioned that one of your jobs was to explain to owners or people who had not been in the cannabis industry before how it actually worked and what was needed. What is the hardest thing or what was the hardest thing to get across to the owners and the people putting money into these new cultivation and production facilities? That definitely varied from person to person. So I would not be putting everyone under the same umbrella, but I will tell that if people are coming from a different industry, which has nothing to do with plants in particular, let's say a lawyer who, you know, wants to diversify and has some cash to spend or people who manufactured something before or were in food industry and so on and so forth. What they really have hard time understanding is that we're working with a living thing that has its own lifespan that depends on many 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 things in the environment from humidity to temperature and that cannot be necessarily managed like you can manage the production of candy or you know soda or anything you cannot just expect the process to be exactly the same every time because again we're working with a thing that has a life on its own so I would say that that was pretty challenging sometimes to explain. Or another thing, just like you, you know, someone doesn't want to spend money on CO2 injections and you have to literally sit down with very, very smart, very intelligent people and just draw them a picture of how plants eat and how they live, right? Because CO2 is necessary for them. And if they're living in a closed environment, like a room or even a greenhouse, they don't have food pretty much. They're not going to be consuming food. They're not going to be growing without something. So all of these things was basically my job to explain. And I still kind of do the same, to be honest with you. Sonia, what other state systems have you worked with? 
have you always just been based in Michigan or do you have any other, do you have an experience with any other state systems? Uh, I do. I worked with New Jersey projects. I consulted in Minnesota, which has the most bizarre laws when it comes to cannabis right now, in my opinion. And I helped a couple of companies to get from the ground uh, in Alabama, too. That's my portfolio right now, but mostly in Michigan. You mentioned the necessity yeah. to stay lean and mean, which we also believe in. That's I know that would be big on your list. Are there is there anything else? Just the plant is the most important thing? The plant is going to be the most important thing, Hans, right? That's what ultimately makes you money. But what would I say, especially in the very beginning, is the right thing to do is to find people, consultants or you know, outside vendors or B2B or people that you employ and hire to really understand that this is not a sprint, this is a marathon, and you need to get ready to that accordingly. And I'm talking about being on point with the compliance with your state, understanding how to write and execute on pro forma and on yearly budgets, and so on and so forth, because this is the industry where you build the car and you drive it too. And it is important to stay as focused on these things. And I talk about order and I talk about SOPs and I talk about budgets and KPIs because they're going to help you to see the big picture. So when you are brought in as a consultant, particularly for a new company, you get involved in every aspect or just certain aspects? What I mean is, are you looking at everything from their energy requirements, what types of lights they get, the security systems, the internet. There's so many things that go into opening a new facility and that people have to think about. I personally don't see how you can do it without a consultant unless you've got a lot of experience yourself. Do you help on every aspect of that or just certain ones? It really depends on the company because sometimes people would be coming with a very certain uh, ask with what they need help with. That is one thing. In this case, you get in, you understand what exact need is, you come with a plan. But if we're talking about building the company from the ground up, yes, you do need a consultant who is going to keep tabs on all aspects of what you're doing. And this consultant need to have a very vast experience with all of that. And you're correct of saying it's like starting with HVAC, and then with supply chain software. So just in general, gluing together your process is what a good consultant should do with the cannabis startups in the very beginning. That's what I do as well. Basically navigating how we're approaching compliance, how we're approaching equipment purchasing, how we're approaching training and SLPs as well. So yeah, everything. You need to know everything. Sonia, with all of your experience in the various markets, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, what have you seen, you know, as we all know, the states, their regulations and laws vary, you know, state to state. What have you seen the industry do right so far? And what items, you know, have you seen that you wish the industry would improve upon? 
Each state that I've worked with is kind of moving into the right direction. I can say that at least right now. And when I talk about right, right direction, I mean social equity and community outreach and uh, establishing the relationship with the community and sometimes even with uh, veteran affairs offices and with Chamber of Commerce, Commerce in each particular municipality. I think that that is something that needs to continue because cannabis businesses need to be a part of their communities. So I do love that very much. I, of course, a big uh, proponent of security as well, just like with any other industry, to be honest with you. But what I think that can be improved, and it might be very specific, is how we approach cannabis testing. And I understand that this is not an easy request. You cannot just like go ahead and redo your methodology in each state and understand how it needs to be done. But as far as I've seen, testing of cannabis is a little bit of a mystery how it's done because you cannot do it exactly right. You can send the same sample to two different cannabis laboratories. You're going to receive different numbers because the methodology is different. The calibration of the equipment is different. And even the relationship and transparency has some room for improvement because as you probably know, Michigan did experience a couple of kind of scandalous stories when it comes to testing cannabis. I just wish that labs operated to serve the cannabis community and the patients in a different way. But I'm not a laboratory specialist. I'm not a chemist. So I understand that this is, again, not an easy ask. Yeah, we've seen that too. We've seen that as well, Sonia, in situations where even the naming construction, right? What I call a certain THC, do I capitalize the T? Do I, you know, it becomes very difficult to manage that data. And I think that's where, honestly, where metric as a foundational system becomes important because hopefully with metric involved in the state of Michigan and the other states you mentioned, you now at least have the ability that, you know, I'm hoping that the industry gets together and standardizes lab testing in terms of how we call it, how they report it, because until you get that, you're right, you're going to be all over the board. It's going to be very, very challenging. And it's challenging for us, honestly, on the technology side of the things, because we're trying to make heads or tail of what the results mean. And, and you know, that becomes very manual. We've seen that with a lot of our customers as well. 100%. And it's also just to your point that it is being fed by the consumer too. Like this whole culture about THC and pot- potency and what to look yep. at. It's definitely coming from this culture that potency is everything, is the most important thing, coming from prohibition, right? It's just the same when you guys, you guys, I mean, Americans uh, had the prohibition time when it comes to alcohol, potency of whatever you're selling was very important because you had to pack as much potency in as little container as possible. It's kind of the same here, and we need to get away from that because that's not everything. But as long as the, that's how you sell as a retailer, that's how you sell cannabis, that's your sales pitch is going to stay the same for cultivators. And we're all going to be thinking about potency all the time, even though you cannot really test it and know for sure because your colas are going to give you completely different potency than your lower bud on the single plant too so absolutely and we're running short on time and i think some of this hopefully will be 
addressed when federal legalization happens, whenever that may be. And education is also the key of the consumer as well. But since we're running short on time, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you, Sonia. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me would be to go to my website, greendawn.agency, and fill in the form, the contact form, and I will get back to you. That's as simple as that. So greendawn.agency, is that correct? That is correct. Greendawn.agency. So I know we're going to get an interesting response from you for this question, I can just guess. But Bree, why don't you do the honors and ask our final question? Our final question for you, Sonia, is we are interested to hear who your favorite outlaw is, be it real life, fictional, uh, musician, TV character, whoever you choose. I'll have to go with Alexei Navalny, who is a Russian political prisoner who is serving in serving here his term in a prison in Russia right now. Uh, he is absolutely innocent with everything that he's been charged with. And he's in prison because he's fighting for free Russia. He's fighting against the invasion of Ukraine. He's fighting against dictatorship and authoritarian and militant regime of Vladimir Putin. That's why he's in prison. He has some health issues, but he never gives up. And he gives us all a lot, a lot of hope. And I, every day, I hope that he's okay as much as possible. So that's my favorite outlaw. That's, that's a unique answer. Thank you, Sonia, very much for being on our show. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's been an honor. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. You can also find our show right on our website, outlawtechnology.net. Thank you for listening and be well. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.